Now, I may be crazy because we grew out of a house, out of a living room. And I used to preach to two people, and my wife was one of them. <laughs> but I believe that God does things through men of little account from Amen. nowhere. Amen. And I want to tell you that your lives are proof of that. And life-changing ministries will rise to become everything that God says that it will be because you're going to make it happen as you rise to meet the call. Amen? Yo, welcome Brother Steve up here. We're going to do that Christian thing and we're going to pray for him. And then he's going to feed us, correct us. I don't know, he might slap us around some, but we're a crazy group that likes that. Alice, you're getting baptized, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Alice wants to be baptized on the 23rd of December because her family is visiting from Taiwan? Right, Taiwan. <laughs> Alice, where, uh, where did you get introduced to our church? Introduced? Yeah. By the uh, Teresa By and uh, Brent. Do you mean to tell me that you got introduced to our church and fell in love with Jesus because somebody reached out to you? It was in a hotel, wasn't it, Alice? Right. <laughs> we meet in the hotel. Yeah, apparently ministry is supposed to happen out there, not just in here, right? And look, when it does, lives change. That's our first little tithe from, from Taiwan. The rest are coming. Mighty God, thank you. Thank you for my brother Steve. Lord God, I pray that as he opens his mouth, you would fill it with your word. Lord God, that your word in his mouth would be as powerful as your word in your mouth. Lord God, slay us this day and encourage us. Lord God, we ask that your life, life bringing power would be upon us today. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. Brother, it's yours any way you want it. Oh yeah, here we go. No, man, this is, this is, this is for the newer Jedi Knights. To somebody else's armor. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Tracy, come on up real quick. I guess we don't have a This is the green. Take just a second say I want to be like Miss Debbie and say, uh, no, I don't need to say anything. <laughs> well, good morning, everybody. Um, praise God. I just wanted to uh, say thank you for your body of believers for um, opening your arms to us when we came in. Um, you know, we've had our own church for 17 years, and, um, you know, when, you, when you've, when you've Plowed, <laughs> sown, plowed, <laughs> sown, you know, and the Lord picks you out from, you know, we believed was our, our life commitment with Chicago. Wow. And he's changed us. And he yeah. says, I have something else for you to do. You know, we're in that transition and it's huge. Amen. It's huge for our family. Amen. He made us feel like family and, and made us a part of your family. And I just want to You are family now. Yeah. Well, it's great to be with you today, and uh, I just tell you, Jesus is Lord. Amen. And I grew up in Houston, or should I say, I didn't grow up in Houston. <laughs> uh, I was never witness to my entire youth. I grew up, I went to Spring Branch Junior High and then Stratford High School. I never met a Christian in the middle of what they call the Bible Belt. The buckle, probably. Uh, never, ever did anyone ever, ever witness. And uh, all I can say is, when I was in the oil field, over, over time, you guys will hear you know, my testimony and everything, when I was in the oil field, I got born again. And uh, for me, the dream was make as much money as you can. <laughs> and get away with anything you can. Just don't get caught. That's what that's what my mother actually told me that when I was a kid. To wow. do anything. Just don't get caught. That was our family philosophy. Wow. And, uh, that's why I just tell you that didn't work for me. Uh, God had other other plans. He caught you. Yeah, he caught you. All I can say is it is amazing to me to be back in Houston. 
and to be back in, in, in Sugarland, um, man, I feel I feel home. It's it's uh, it's crazy. We've been gone for actually we were on our own for 17 years. We were associates at a huge church for quite a while, another seven years. We've been up in Chicago for 25 years, and uh, I loved it because there's just lost people everywhere, people to minister to, people to reach out to. And lo and behold, boom, we're back in Houston again, and uh, it is awesome. Let's take a minute and turn in our Bibles over to John Amen. chapter 5. Are you guys ready to, to uh, do some Bible study today? Yeah. Yeah. If I if I actually bring some heat, is that going to offend you? Nope. We like it. Well, I don't know. Uh, I hear that all the time. Oh, yeah, preacher, go ahead, bring it. And then I do, and then you look at me like I'm in a Presbyterian church or something. Uh, I ask you to buckle your belt today, because I'm going to share with you something that's taken me 30 years to, to understand in God. And... I believe this will change your life forever. I want to pray too today. Lord, I commit these next minutes to you. I believe this is, a, this is a, a, a date with destiny for everyone in this room. Lord, make your word come alive. Amen. Speak to us. Anoint this time. Change us by your truth. Your word is truth. May we never see the same May we never think the same. May we never be the same. God. Release us from our self-imposed limitations. God, we want to be everything. Do everything. Accomplish everything that you will do through us and in us and for us and by us, God. Oh, Lord, come and, come and bless this time. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You know, I'm amazed we just had a national election. And it was slung, if you will, by what I'm going to talk about today. I say there's two kinds of people in the world. The haves and the have-nots. What you just saw was President Obama identify with the majority of the people in our country basically saying you don't have what I'll give you if you vote for me. I'll give you health care that you need. I'll give you stuff. I'll give you free money. I'll give you free houses. I'll give you more food. It's amazing. I speak Spanish. And I listen to, I'm in jobs all the time, the trades. I'm installing fireplaces. I listen to Spanish radio whether I like it or not all day long. You wouldn't believe the commercials that I've had to endure for the last few months about how we're going to give you, if you basically camp out with us, all this stuff. You need what I have to give you because you don't have what you need. This is where they realize they're not. They painted Romney as some rich have who's not in touch with everything. And he couldn't possibly represent the masses of society. And therefore, you need to have a man you can trust who's like you, someone from the bottom who pulled himself up, and now I'm going to take you with me from a have-not to a have. That's basically what we just heard and was played out. And the vast majority of our country says, yeah, I don't have what I need. I'll take it. So he said, Hallelujah. It's time to pray like never before. That's all I can tell you. Look at this, and you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. Look at what it says. I'm in John 5, 1. It says, After these things, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porticos. In these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at a certain season to the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after the stirring up of the water, stepped in, was made whole from whatever disease that he was afflicted. 
man was there who had been ill, sick, for 38 years. Just think of that for a second. How, what would be reality to you if you couldn't provide for your family, you couldn't do what you need to do for 38 years? How much real hope do you have that today's the day I'm going to get out of this situation? And yet, it's amazing. I read this. I don't know about you. I've read the Old Testament. Do you realize there's, there's a New Testament and an Old Testament? I joke because I, I like the foundation here. I hear over and over again. You know, there's no doctrine in the New Testament that doesn't come from the Old. And yet, I can't find this anywhere in the Old Testament. Can you show me a single case in all the Old Testament where God is sending an angel to stir up waters, to heal someone? That didn't make any sense. I mean, it tells me about the heart of God. His compassion is so great that when he sees all these sick people, he's just got to do something. If nobody believes and no one goes to the temple and no one offers a sacrifice, you could have been healed of the Old Covenant. And yet... God is just moved with compassion. Sees these people and he sends some angel and the first one in is he. The guy's been there 38 years. Again, trying to get the picture. This is desperation. I don't know if you, the first time I went to Spain, I'm walking down this main avenue in Madrid and as far as my eyes can see, there's nothing but beggars lined up on the street. Never seen anything like it in my life. There are places like this today, still in the world, where someone's waiting, hoping for some kind of a miracle, for something to happen. And that's where this guy is. Look at verse 6. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he'd already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you want to be made whole? I'm reading out of the New American, do you wish to get well? In other words, do you want me to heal you? Now, if Jesus walked up to you guys, what would you say? Yes! Yes, amen. But he thinks I could have not. What does he say? I have no one. I don't have the help I need. I'm here because this is the only place I've heard anybody gets healed. And yet every time I try to get into the pool, somebody else is stronger and better shape, whatever, they fall in first, they get the miracle. And now it's even worse because I've come to be healed and all I am is really discouraged. It basically says I have no man, I have no help. I don't have what I need. It's amazing because Jesus just cuts him off. Take up your man. You can't take it. I, I'm telling you right now. You know, I'm, I'm dealing with cancer. I don't know how many of you know that. They diagnosed me with cancer. Can I tell you, I know for a fact I'm going to get this. God is so much greater than any demonic affliction that could come on us. You know, I couldn't believe it when they said it's cancer. Then they said, what's well, stage four? It's like, eh, I don't believe that either. I'm here to tell you right now, I'm going to live and not die. Amen. Because of the character and nature of God. God is so committed to His creation. It's amazing. I, when He looks at you, do you understand? He sees what bears His image. Amen. I look at my sons back. Why are they such a good looking group? Yeah, <laughs> my wife has bailed me out. No, this is as real as it When God looks at you, what does He see? Himself. Amen. Amen. And he's moved with compassion. He's, he's just got to do something. I want you to know that that's our God. Amen. This isn't theory. This isn't religion. This isn't doctrine. This is a revelation of who and what he is. Amen. The God that created the heavens Amen. and the earth Hallelujah. is absolutely in love with his people. And even when they're totally in despair, depressed, Frustrated. I mean, this guy is gone, man. 
God just can't wait to heal. Amen. I can't tell you what you're looking at right now is a lost man who really is a have-not in his thinking. I don't have what I need. Can I tell you that's the fundamental lie the enemy wants you to believe? That you don't have what you need. And even though God himself is standing there looking at you, eyeball, eyeball, you're ready to say, oh, I can't do it. I don't have the education. I don't have the opportunity. I don't have the, uh, uh, oh, gosh, what, what, what's the crazy lie you believe? Get rid of it. Because God has something awesome in store for you. Now I want to show you, it's not just in the lost. Look over at Mark 6 real quick. This is the disciples. Now surely these guys, now look, let's be honest. We're talking a bunch of righteous Jews. Jesus could say about Nathaniel, it's an Israelite in whom there is no God. There's no hypocrisy. This guy has a pure heart. Peter's going to say in Acts 10, no unclean thing has ever entered these lips. How many of you could say something like that? I probably lived on unclean things. Uh, thank God I'm a Gentile. I mean, thank God for Gentile. The grace, the grace of God. Listen to this. Look at it. 5,000 people. Verse 33. The people see him going. He's been ministering, recognized him, and ran there together on foot from all the cities and got there ahead of him. Jesus and his 12 are coming through town. They've been on a ministry tour. Look at this. Verse 34. When Jesus went ashore, he saw a large crowd and he felt compassion for them. Yeah. For they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it was already quite late, if you guys think I go long, read that again. <laughs> Move with compassion. What does humanity need more than anything else? You ready? An all-day teaching session. Come on now. What you thought Preaching. you really needed is not what Jesus... I mean, he went until it's late at night. I wonder if, if the you know MTV generation hasn't somehow affected our brains where we can't sit and concentrate on the things that matter most. His Jesus moved with compassion, and he teaches literally all day long. Look at this. When it was already quite late, his disciples came to him and said, This place is desolate, and it's already quite late. Send them away so they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages to buy for themselves something to eat. Now help me with it. What, what are the disciples saying? We don't have what we need. We don't have enough for a crowd this big. Lord, I mean, it almost sounds compassionate. Lord, don't you care? I mean, would you send them away so they can all get something to eat, Lord? They've been eating at the greatest table any of them ever been at all day long. And yet, you know, humanly thinking, they need food. Get them some food. So what does Jesus say? You give them something to eat. Now, can I tell you, you can say to me or the other leadership in this church, what can we do among a city so great as Houston, Texas? We are just this tiny, insignificant group. And can I tell you what God would say to us? You give them Amen. something to eat. Amen. Oh, but, but, and, and listen, do you understand the disciples are smarter? They're about to give Jesus himself a smart aleck answer. Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread? First of all, they don't have that much. That's about two-thirds of a year's wage. These are guys living on offerings. Who carries around about 40 grand on them? Okay? And secondly, where are you going to get a bread store? that you could buy 40 grand worth of bread in the middle of some field. Don't get me started. They're smart. They're smart, you know what, so I won't say it at church. Uh-huh. To Jesus, eyeball to eyeball. One, you know, 
What does he ask? Listen, what does he ask? What do you have? Listen to me. It's not what you don't have. It's what you have. The enemy is going to convince most of us, a lot of us in this room, to spend our lives thinking, do I have enough to do this? Can I, with what I have, accomplish this? Can I tell you, you'll never have what you need to accomplish, what God will provide. Listen, it's not who or what you have, it's in whose hands do you put Amen. As long as you have five loaves and two fish, that's all you've got. Suppose you take what you have and put it in the hands of God. This, this is as real as it gets. Amen. What do you have? Hmm. Some of us are going to you know, think, should I go on this trip? I don't know. Can I take that time off? I'm here to tell you right now, you need to put God first in your life. Amen. You put God first, everything else will fall into place. Look, that's either going to be a have or a have not kind of thing. Do you have the time? Do you have the time to actually obey the Lord Jesus and go do something with God? That's the fundamental question. Do you have something that you can put in the hands of God? Okay? The disciples. You know the story. What can I say? You know, if you look at what you don't have, you're never going to get where God wants you to be. Somebody say amen. amen. I'm preaching better than you're responding. <laughs> Just so you know. Acts 3. Let's look at the disciples once they've grown up. How many of you know it's okay to be growing and maturing? Not have all the answers. Not know what, what's even going on. Man, when I got born again, I was dangerous. I probably still am. Uh, you know, I actually had a Bible. You ever have? Like, you ever find your first Bible after you've lost it for a number of years and look at your notes? Scary. Scary the revelations that I thought were from God. Look at this with me real quick. Haves and have-nots. I haven't even gotten to my message yet. I'm trying to lay a foundation. Bible says in verse 1 of Acts 3, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. Boy, have we come a long way. You know, they took 3 o'clock to 4 o'clock every afternoon and devoted to God. We wonder why they had the results they had, and this is their lifestyle. Mm. A man had been there lame. From his mother's womb. Whew. You imagine that. Never taking a step in your entire life. Lame from his mother's womb. Was being carried along. And they used to set him down every day at the gate of the temple, which is beautiful. How many times did Jesus pass right by this? Some of you might might wonder. I, I you know, I deal with it right now. Lord. Pass me by again. Because Jesus did pass right by this guy over and over again. How many times did you go to the temple? The Gospels. Yeah, I mean, come on. He's hanging out there left and right. This guy's there every day. If you're a beggar, where do you want to be put? Right in front of the temple? At the most beautiful gate? Where everybody's coming in and out? Everybody's feeling all benevolent? Let some homeless person know you're a Christian and see how they respond. Why? Because they know there should be a compassion in your heart. Okay. What do you think this family knows? All the people coming in to worship God, they see a cripple. Surely this, is a, this guy is the best seed in Israel if you're a beggar. Wow. Look at this. In order, it actually tells us in verse 2 why. In order to beg alms of those that were entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. He's asking for help, a handout. Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us. 
How many of you know that's the moment Peter took responsibility to do something? Amen. What happens when you and I see need? Most of the time. We don't want to make eye contact with that person. Because then I might have to do something about it. But at that moment, Peter looks at this guy and fixes his gaze on him, or gaze on him, and they, they, they connect in a moment in time. I want to tell you, that's, that's your key to destiny. Man, I don't want to get off on a, on a side note here, but I'll just say this to you. Your daily routine is where you're going to have supernatural encounters with God. Amen. But you're going to have to slow down long enough to see what God wants to do. Amen. Praise the Lord. Listen, I, I can tell you about supernatural experiences, guys. They, you know, the greatest one I ever had was a result of what I've been doing for 18 months straight. Why that night? Why that time did God give me literally a, a, a revelation of himself when for 18 months I had nothing except just, just a, a hunger for the Lord. And all of a sudden, same time, 2 o'clock in the morning, like every other night, had been for months and months and months seeking God. Boom, he shows up. Here's Peter. How many times has Peter walked into the temple? Hundreds? Thousands? But today is a date with destiny. Think about that for a minute. If we open our eyes for just a minute and see ourselves as hands. Listen to this. Look at us. He began to give his attention to them, expecting to receive something from them. Peter said, I don't possess silver and gold. What's the guy wanting? What's he need? Come on now, this is real as it gets. Your temptation is going to be to give people what they want instead of what they need. Silver and gold I don't have. Have I none? I can't help it. I'm King James. You know, Jesus taught out of King Come on. Come on. Silver and gold have I none, but listen to this. What I have, I give you. What's Peter become? They started as smart Alex. They couldn't make a difference. What did they become once they matured in God? Yeah, I have what I have, what he's entrusted to me. I give you what God gave me. Amen. In the name of Jesus, rise and walk. Think about that for a minute. There had to be a complete training of the mind in these disciples. A, a transition where they go from being normal, pessimistic, we can't make a difference, we're too insignificant. We're some small little group of people. It's amazing when the rich young ruler sees this group and Jesus says, go sell your possessions and come and follow me. He looks at him and says, you got to be kidding. You want me to give up all I got and join this group? And he's gone. It's the worst decision anybody ever made. Again, when you think about it, it's an amazing thing. What I have, I give you in the name of Jesus. Rise and walk. And I tell you right now, every one of us, my goal today is to force every one of us to make a decision. Am I a have or a have not? Fundamentally, how do you see yourself today? Could you say with Peter, what I have, I give you, or I don't have anything? change your life. Let me show you the actual teaching, what I'm preaching to you out of Matthew 25. So let's take a minute and go there. You with me so far? Yeah. Don't want don't to wanna lose you before we get to the meat here. Matthew 25 is Jesus preparing his church for the last days. Look at what he says, beginning in verse 14. He's talking about the kingdom of God. 
It's like a man about to go on a journey who calls his own slaves, servants, and trusted his possessions to them. Now, who's he talking to, guys? Is this a lost? Is this a world? <coughs> Who are we talking about in this parable? Yeah, his servants. These are the Christians. These are the disciples, the followers of Jesus. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Can I tell you we're not all the same? I don't mean that in a negative way. It's just the facts. Some of us are five talented people. Some are two. Some are one. Can I tell you something? Did everybody get something? Is everybody I have? Yes. Okay, I just want to make sure we're on the same, same page. Immediately the one that received the five went and traded with him and gained five more. The same manner the one who received the two gained two more. But he that received the one went and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time the master of the slaves came and settled accounts. I mean, there's going to be a day, guys, when we stand before the Lord. The accounts will be settled. Somebody say amen. 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 The one that received the five came up and brought five more, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I've gained five more. His master said to him, Well done, you good and faithful servant. You are faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The one that received the two came and said, Master, you gave me two, and I've gained two more. Look at this. Master says to him, well done, good and faithful servant. I thought he'd say, what's the matter with you, man? You only got four? No, the guy took what God gave him and used it and multiplied what he had. Amen. And according to Jesus, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen. Whether you got five, two, or one, take what you've got and use it for God. Amen. Amen. I'm going to preach to myself. Listen to this. And this is the real teaching of Jesus in this parable. Verse 24. The one that received one came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man. What? He gave him the talent in the first place. Put something in his hand and said, use it. I think it's too hard to really serve God. That's what this guy's saying. I'm not like one of these preachers. I can't do that. That's a lie. You can take what God has given you and use it for His glory. Amen. Stop comparing yourself with somebody else. The two-talent guy can't say, I'm not a five-talent guy, so I can't do anything. If I compared myself to some of the great men of God I know, I'd quit. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. If Larry Stockstill were in Houston, he'd have 10000 in two years. I spent twenty-five in Chicago, and we never hit it. What does that mean? Oh, woe is me. I guess I'm just a loser. No. I'm going to do what God wants me to do with what God's entrusted into my care and multiply it. And, and that's where faithfulness lies. And it's the same with every one of us in this room. It's amazing. You, you're a hard... I hear this. Listen, I was a pastor for 25 years. Do you understand all the counseling? How many times somebody said, it's yeah. just too hard to serve God? Well, go back and serve the devil and see how that works. I used to tell them that. You know, I'll tell you, in my counseling, I had a pacifier, and if you came in whining to me, I'd put a pacifier in front of you. 
Well, I did that when I was an associate. I couldn't do it as a senior. <laughs> I'd like to see you pass to clean up my mess. The elders are gone. The elders are gone. Right? Yes. Amen, brother. It's a new doctrine. <laughs> Master, I knew you to be a hard man. Listen to this. Reaping where you didn't sow. This is an actual accusation against Jesus. You didn't give me what I needed. You're trying to get a harvest where you didn't sow anything. Are you joking? I sowed a talent. This is, listen, one of the most radical truths I've learned in 30 years of ministry. God is going to meet you right where you are. Amen. Do you think it's too hard? Then that's who you are. And that's how you live. And that's reality to you. And all your life you see everything through this film of, I can't do it, I don't have enough, it's too hard, I'm just a nobody, and so you accomplish nothing. Jesus, does, I mean, what more can you do than sow a talent into a guy? And he says, you are trying to reap where you haven't sown. That's an actual accusation against God. I believe there will be people in Judgment Day that stand before God and try to defend themselves. And basically the summary of their argument is, you didn't do enough for me. It's exactly what you're reading. You didn't do enough for me. Gathering where you haven't scattered. He finally comes clean in verse 25. I was afraid. First honest statement out of his mouth. You're so selfish, you're worried about you, and so you're, you're filled with fear instead of a God consciousness. Think about that for a minute. I'm worried what someone's going to think about me. Who cares what someone thinks about you? I'm interested in what God thinks about me. Amen? Amen. You know, i, I got to be careful here. When I was a kid, I was actually thrown out of Texas. Now, I was given 72 hours to leave the state. I was by a judge, Judge Stilley, the Honorable Judge Stilley. <laughs> I don't know, Harris County. Can I say they used to think I was a criminal and a freak and whatever? So, what do I care if they think about me now? Most, it's amazing. We're trying to keep up some impression of respectability. You know what they'll respect? Supernatural power of God. They'll respect someone that has overcome the very situation that they're dealing with. That's what they'll respect. Put on some, some fake Christian facade isn't going to help you. Now listen, the rest of 25 is scary to me because I know it's, it, I heard it a hundred times if I've heard it once in counseling. I was afraid I went and hid your talent on the ground. See, you have what's yours. How many of us today would say, well, God could do anything. And what that means is he out there has what he needs to do anything, but we here, we don't have it. So, he does, and we love to come up with these really religious sounding, well, God is sovereign, and you never know what God is going to do. And, you know, I believe one day, out there in the future, God might intervene. Are you kidding me? What you have is yours. No, what I gave you to use is yours to use. What I've entrusted in you is yours. And this guy the whole time says, no, this belongs to Jesus, so I don't have to use it. Well, think about that. Meditate on it. It'll come to you. Look at what it goes on to say in this parable. Master answered, you wicked, lazy slave. Now, can I tell you if there's any words you don't want to hear when you stand before Almighty God, it is that you are a wicked, lazy slave, servant. Same word, doulos. You knew that I reaped where I haven't sowed. Now, that blows my mind. 
Jesus actually agrees with the guy's perverted thinking because for him, that's truth. He sees Jesus as someone that hasn't given him anything. So that's who God's going to be to him. Look at verse 27. You ought at least to put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money with interest. That's pretty funny. Take away the talent from him and give it to the one that has ten. Listen to this truth, guys. For to everyone who has, more shall be given. Someone that has something, uses that something, multiplies that something, God's going to give them even more. But the one who doesn't have, there is no one that doesn't have, except in your own thinking. And you limit, you know, it's amazing. You read the Psalms where they limited the Holy One of Israel. And we think, man, those Jewish scoundrels, how dare they limit the Holy One of Israel. And here we come along and do the exact same thing. <coughs> we can't do this and we can't do that. You've got to be kidding me. You're a have. And whoever has, more will be given. Now look at this. I, I, you know, in all honesty, if it were me, I would like to end the chapter right there, or, or that, that story right there. But I'm, I'm sorry, there is a verse 30. Throw the worthless slave or servant into the outer darkness. Wait a minute. I thought these were the Christians. The servants of God entrusted with His resources. How could someone like that be thrown into outer darkness? I'll never forget praying over this and having it hit me like a ton of bricks. God will forgive you of all of your sins He'll fill you with the Holy Ghost. No matter what you've done, who you are, what you've been involved in. But if you then do nothing, I don't think you'll forgive that. For you to say, I have nothing to use. It's all yours, God. God be the glory. I never get serious about the calling that I have, the commissioning that I, the covenant that I have, the relationship with God that I have, the faith that I have. Have. Not have not. Have. Amen. Our temptation is going to be, well, I don't have enough. Yeah, you do. Because if you have faith as a grain of mustard, you could say to this mountain, be thou removed, and cast into the sea, and whatsoever things believing in prayer, you shall receive. Whatsoever you say. Didn't, didn't Jesus make some of the most, almost irresponsible statements? They're so wild. Greater works than I do are you going to do. What? the same Holy Ghost that raised Jesus from the dead Amen. lives in us. Amen. Casting. I, I'm here to tell you right now, I might have discovered, and we'll submit this to the elders, a second unpardonable sin. We know about the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. If you get hung up on this, I'm going to be really frustrated with you because this has nothing to do with my message. Why don't you really get this? It's unforgivable. You guys hear about that guy that was a fire chief, not a, not a rookie recruit, that was sent out to a fire. And because he knows everything about the fire engine, him being on the fire was absolutely imperative. 
I saw this a true story. It was a case, it was actually a case against this man. Think of this. There's a there's a I think it was a two alarm fire somewhere in one of the cities of Ohio. So this fire chief jumps into his engine and shoots off. But in the middle of the trip, he's got his chief, a Sony Walkman, and he can't get the batteries to work. And when the next engine arrived at the fire, there's the chief sitting in the engine trying to get batteries in a Walkman on a family of like five burned to death. Amazing. We, we, I had board members that would say things like, the most important thing in life is being debt free. Right. I used to say, no, the most important thing in life is being godly and, and giving to world missions. And we would argue. I, I wonder if his priorities are our priorities. Do you understand there's no such thing as debt-free? <coughs> Tracy and I owned a house, quote-unquote, how long? 20, 20 years? 21 years? No, we never owned it a day. The whole thing was this. I still didn't pay a monthly payment. The things the world tries to convince us of are an illusion. We're only here for a short amount of time. Amen. Can we afford not to take what we have and invest it in the kingdom of God? Can we have some interactive church for a minute? Yeah. I, I'm finished with quote unquote my sermon. <laughs> I don't know what that means anyway. What do we have? Who, who do we have? Yeah. The Holy Ghost. Do you, you realize you couldn't ever be alone even if you wanted to? I was in a radiation tube the other day. You want to talk about being in a bizarre environment, man. We got some weird looking futuristic mask over my face. They're going to sing this thing with Radiation is the most unbelieving people you ever met in your life. Basically, you're gonna die, and we're gonna try to save you. And, uh, <laughs> Thank you for your agreement there. <laughs> I'm in this radiation tube, and I start praying to the Holy Ghost. What do you think happened? God is with me. Amen. There's nowhere on earth we could ever be. I used to work in a psych ward. I didn't say I was impatient. I said, <laughs> <laughs> so when, when the most medicated, demonized, hopeless in the worst hell holes. You know, I was I was the chaplain at a maximum security juvenile detention center where I had to go out for many calls to solitary confinement where, I mean, kids that were the most unbelievable predators in all of Oklahoma when we were in Tulsa. You know, you know who I found in solitary living? God. Amen. I always had him and a word to encourage. You know what it takes to destroy demonic power? A word that you have. You know, it's amazing. I really am 100% convinced many of us are going to spend our lives thinking about what we don't have. Worried about what we can't do. If I just had this, I'll never forget one time Tracy and I had been pastoring at this point 
about 15 years total. And uh, I got invited to this thing at Oral Roberts University. We hadn't been there in a long time. I graduated from ORU, Tracy and I, that's where we met. And we're, we're walking through the prayer garden, and I'm looking at all these buildings. Have any of you ever been to Tulsa and seen ORU? It's unimaginable. And the crazy thing is, when Oral Roberts was alive, he built those buildings with cash. They're about, you know, $20 million buildings. $50 million, the, the hospital was more than $100 million. He, he just he built it cash. And I remember walking across the campus thinking, my gosh, this is so unfair. God, I don't even have a church building that's ours. And you're giving him $50 million buildings? What's going on? You know who I'm quoting? The have-nots. I don't have, I can't do. I'll never forget, we're in the prayer garden, and I see this prayer tower, and it just hits me like a ton of bricks. The Lord says, why don't you stop complaining about what you don't have? and start using what you have. Amen. Can I say that at that point, our total church building fund was negative $6,000. <laughs> How's that for some serious planning? You need to pick up some wave of agreement here. Keep me away from the finances, brother. I, I discerned that when I walked in. Uh, but I want, to, I want to testify for you. When I change the way I think, in 45 days, God gave us $335,000. Amen. To buy our first building cash. I thought as a have-not, and you know what was real for me? Have-not. It hit me one day. Oral Roberts believes what he's doing is so important, God himself is going to move on my behalf. And guess what happened? Boom, boom, boom. Library? Sure, why not? Boom. Here I am. I can't be God, don't you care? That's what we always do. Don't you care? What? You know, what did I do wrong? Thought wrong? For 40 years. It's time to start thinking about oh, Jesus. Amen. Now I want to, you know, a couple of verses i got to share with you. The first one's in 2 Corinthians. Let's turn there. Last verse, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. What do we have, church? Look at this. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ The grace of Jesus. This is the, the preeminent aspect of his personality. Grace. Can I share with you something I've learned? Listen. One good decision will reverse a lifetime of bad ones. <coughs> Took me 30 years to learn that. <coughs> In a day. You can change your entire destiny. There's no religion on the planet that is even remotely close to teaching this unbelievable truth. Literally, in a day, you become a new creation. Praise the Lord. When nothing has worked for 30 years, your whole life can turn around in one day. Why? Amen. Because of the grace yes. of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Man, if that was enough, I mean, I'd be, I'd be fired up. I've gone to church. But in there more in that verse, the love of God, the love of our Father. Amen. All I can say, there, there, you know, 
I think the most radical verse in the Bible is Ephesians 3.19. Sometime this week, meditate on it. Ephesians 3.19. What it says is that if we could comprehend the love of God, we could be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen. Again, so many in the world paint Christianity as something we believe in. Are you joking? Christianity is about going from lost, rebellious, alienated, sinner, selfish, to filled with God, filled with life, being actually a habitation of God by the Spirit. Think about this for a minute. We heard Matthew quoted earlier. Partakers of the divine nature. Wow! God, He didn't die for your sins. He died so He could fill you and make you His son or daughter. Amen. I mean, get a hold of that, church. Next time you're depressed, stop it, because you're thinking of sentient. Amen. Don't get me started. Hey, listen, I, I did the masters in counseling, so I have the right to tell you, stop it. Stop cursing yourself into depression and start focusing on what you have in God. Who is with you, who will never leave you and never forsake Hallelujah. Boy, I tell you, God is so awesome. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's good. But that's not, I mean, read, there's more. And the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. You know why we join this church? Because you're a Holy Ghost church. That's it. If you think I want to join a dead one, you crazy, man. It took me a little bit. My wife walks in and in like 10 minutes, Stephen, Stephen, we're home. <laughs> Never even met the minister or heard a single, you know, anything. You're telling me you're home? Yeah, we're home. The Holy Ghost is here. The Great for you. God wants to spend every day with you. Amen. Man, how could you think like I have not? You have the creator, the sustainer of the universe. And not just out there in some sense. He's here with us every day. Man, I'll never forget. When I got born again, I prayed over my bologna sandwich in lunch. And guess who filled the room? 30 years ago, guys, he blew my mind. It hit me. He's here. He's not just in church. God is here with me right now. I thought, no, look, that was a bombshell. Where do you meet God? In some temple. And you got to have some holy dude doing holy things. And this is where you meet God. I'll never forget one time I was on a mission preaching. And the staff said, now listen, I want you to stand right here under the chandelier. Because under the chandelier is where you meet God. And I looked at him and said, you're crazy. <laughs> Throw out your chandelier, okay? You need God. And you need to know he's right here with us. Communion of the Holy Spirit. Wow, the grace of our Lord Jesus. I don't think we understand grace. Don't give me your definition. Say it. You know what grace was? When I was a drug addict and a felon and a mess, he saved my soul. Amen. That's grace. Amen. I don't deserve anything. If I got what I deserved, I'd have been dead a long time ago. How many times I woke up with my cruise control on at 70 miles an hour going through a cow field out in Texas and then woke up because my car was going like that. I should have died, man. But I, see, I know if I say, well, I, I'm only here by grace, you're going to say, oh, no, 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 relax, Christian. 
It's not that bad. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you ever been to the ship channel where they pull out the Uzis? We used to go to pick up the Columbian at the ship channel. Can I tell you, I was the night manager of a gas station, and I made more money selling stuff under the table than I ever made on my paycheck. And can I tell you, that God's mercy is not a doctrine to me. You ever been in jail when they're coming to rape you and God wakes you up out of a sound sleep to save you from that? when you don't know him. And I never called on his name. I, I, could, I could account or recount things that would blow your mind. God has never failed. Amen. 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 And I could feel you want all the negative stuff. Forget. We all have. I'm a half man. I have Jesus. I have God in my life. I have unlimited Hey, listen, if I can get 300 grand in 45 days, you tell me we can't build our own building? We can't do missions around the world? I'll never forget when I got to finally build my first church overseas and see a thousand people. Me, the guy that should be dead 30 years ago, building a church that seats more than a thousand in Africa. John, you were there, weren't you? You saw that? I just, don't tell me that we can't. I'm not buying it. If you want to give me your have-not routine, I'm going to get you pacifier. I'm going to send Jay to do pastoral counseling with you. Amen. Listen, this morning, this is as real as it gets. We have a bunch of haves in this room. Yes. Yeah. What, what do you have? Amen. Do you have a covenant with Almighty God? Yes. Do you have faith? Yes. That means you could do anything. What's the limitation on faith? Now there is a limitation. What you believe. What you believe. What you say. So it's an amazing thing. I, I believe that too. There is no limitation, but there is. Whatever is real to you is the limitation that you've placed on your life and on God. You can feed 5,000 people with a bologna sandwich. We've done some crazy things like that. You ever seen gasoline multiply? I have. I kid you not. You ever see God suspend the natural laws of the universe to accomplish his will and his purpose? I have. Many times. Because there's somebody who's with us who's from another world. We're not normal. Now, I love that statement of 1 Corinthians 3.3 3, where Paul says, you're acting like mere man. <laughs> what? Well, who do you think we are, Paul? I'm ready to give Paul a smart aleck. Just who are You are a supernatural child of the living God. There is nothing impossible for you. Amen. Let's take a minute. Lord, I just ask that you would instill in us a revelation of who you are in us. My prayer is that not one person in this room would ever see themselves as a have-not. God, open our eyes to see the opportunities all around us. Show us your ways. Teach us, God, your ways. We want to think like you. We want to act like you, talk like you, walk like you. Lord, come and touch us this morning. Fill our hearts. Make us the men and women you've called us to be. Well, there's a couple things I want to ask. Is there anyone here today 
that has never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Anyone at all this morning who said, Pastor, pray for me. I want to get saved. You might be here and actually be a have-not. If you don't have Jesus, you're a have-not, man. You don't have the assurance of your sins being forgiven. You're not ready for the day that you stand before God and give an account where there'll be a settling, a reckoning. But I'm here to tell you, God is a merciful God and a great God. Is there anyone that wants to commit their life to Jesus today? I want to give you that opportunity this morning. Okay. But I also want to ask, who here has been living like a have-not? I want you just to stand up. We're going to pray and seek God. Who here has been thinking about what they can't do instead of what they can do? Who's thinking, boy, if I had this or that or the other, then I could do something for God. But I'm here to tell you right now, you are a have. God has invested himself in you. And boy, your future is glorious. I mean it. Your future is glorious. Amen. God is going to use you to do awesome things. Well, I'll tell you this, I want to lay hands on every one of you. Pray God's blessing. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to start a line over here. So everybody on this side, everybody standing up, get in line. 